Welcome to the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast, the show for business owners in their 40s and 50s who really want a business that serves the market strong and who also want to finish strong personally. I'm your host, Scott Kokenauer, and I'm glad you're listening to my guest today more than me. Let me tell you a little bit about him. His name is Lyle Wickersham, and he is founder and managing owner at Brand Think, which is a strategic advisory helping business leadership high-performing, high-value, and scalable brands. He leverages a career in brand development, investment banking, and management consulting, refining his craft over a 30-year career. As managing director and chief creative officer, he has built and sold a $170 million integrated agency where he positioned and built many world-class brands. We're going to be talking to him about, guess what? branding all right so if you're a business owner and you're struggling with your brand or maybe you're struggling with your company not being as valuable and running as well as you think it should perhaps this conversation is for you because with a clear strategy and a branding long-term perspective you have the capability of creating a business that will thrive without you. Branding is a part of that mix. We're gonna mix in, uh, speaking of mix, we're gonna mix in pasta, we're gonna mix in garlic, and we're gonna talk about consistency, positioning, and all sorts of stuff. So rather than let me just ramble on, let's get right into the conversation with Lyle. Welcome to the show, Lyle. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, Scott. Okay, so this podcast show this specifically addresses ways to make a business serve the market strong. When it does, it tends to thrive without the owner's involvement as much, which then leads to greater freedom for the owner as they navigate their way into and through the fourth quarter of life. Now, branding is one of the biggest opportunities for making a company strong. Right. So let's get right into it. I have some very specific questions I'd like to pepper you with. All right. Let's set the stage. First of all, there's a lot of talk about branding and and all that. So how do you define brand and what are brand intangibles? Let's get that going first. Sure. It's a great question. And it's one that I stumble across quite a bit because in most people's minds, the word brand is directly connected to creative elements like logos and colors and things that are technically extensions of brand strategy. So when you're talking to businesses about establishing brand strength, you're really starting with a strategic foundation that positions a company against a particular audience aligned with a business goal, aligned with a competitive space in the market and a clear market opportunity. That element is the foundation that allows you then to define the intangibles of your brand, which really are the things that are creative and emotional and create connections with people. How does my brand look? How does it sound? How does it feel? All those intangibles actually create financial benefits, both in market performance and in equity value of a business. But the confusion comes in speaking about brand as 
just being a logo or a color or things that are actually extensions of brand strategy. Okay. All right. So how does a strong brand contribute to a company's performance and therefore their value? You know, we've been talking about positioning and branding. How are positioning and branding related? Positioning and branding are related because you can't really define the attributes of a brand without having a clear business strategy. Without that alignment, you're not increasing and enhancing equity. It's a difficult component to measure intangibles with privately held companies, but you can easily measure the value of intangibles in publicly traded companies. For example, Apple's market cap is somewhere over $3 trillion. $1.6 trillion of that is attributed to intangible equity. It's clear in that case, the rest is book value. So it's clear in that case that you can see what intangibles do to create value. So in essence, if you're building strong equity, you're building stronger relationships with your marketplace. You're creating greater sense of loyalty, repeat purchases. And for people who are acquiring businesses, strong brand equity and goodwill is a leading indicator of future success. So while that's tough for small businesses sometimes to measure, there is a significant amount of data out there supporting the power of building brands. McKinsey says, you know, companies with strong brands, especially B2B companies, perform 20% better with a 20% stronger EBITDA. Companies with strong brands and strong intangible assets, those intangible assets tend to make up 20% or more of the enterprise value of a business. Wow. Wow. That is fascinating. Now, I picked up on a a thing that you kind of alluded to, and that was the merging branding with practical business strategy. Mm. That caught my attention. I do a lot of strategic planning on a personal level with my clients. And so when I hear the word strategy, I love to, let's dig into that. Why is this so important, branding and practical strategy? It's important because equity, the intangible equity and goodwill that translates to both market performance and value of a company is built over time. And in order to have that happen over time, it requires consistency. And so therefore, alignment becomes one of the most critical criteria of building equity. So to have alignment, it's almost a linear process. You start with understanding stakeholder or business objectives making sure that there's clear context for how your brand is positioned in the market, that there's a clear, definable market opportunity, an addressable audience, and a white space competitively where you can be differentiated. Mm -hmm. So you can't create the brand until you have clarity in the business. And, and then you can extend that brand in order to satisfy that positioning. You know, this is how my brand needs to be perceived to the audience. This is how it should feel, or these are the causes or the purposes that I need to attach to. And these are the values of the company that will resonate both internally because your internal employees are a core constituent as well as in the marketplace. So that alignment and that consistency over time, that's what creates equity. So let's get into the realm of uh, actual examples. Can you share a specific example where this fusion of uh, branding and strategy 
significantly impacted a business's growth or mm -hmm. market position? You know, interestingly, it, it's nuanced. So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, when you're looking to position a business and then reflect that positioning in branding, it can be subtle. And, and you're really trying to understand what is the value proposition of the company? What unique attributes do they have that are differentiated and how does that fit in the market? So it can be very subtle at times and comes down to, okay, well, this is the space where I am unique and I can be differentiated and I can compete sustainably and for the long term. And then your messaging and all the things that extend that brand align. I, I can give you one example where positioning made a significant difference at a company that came to us with a very unique four quadrant scoring algorithm for stocks. And it was a significant leap from the way stocks had currently been assessed. And there was no algorithm like it. And they had built this tool and it functioned really well. And they were looking to flip the business. And they brought the company to a company that I shouldn't really mention to okay. position that mark business for sale. And the company decided that the positioning was a big data play because the, the algorithm was collecting significant amounts of data against these stock sets and took it to market to sell it as a data solution. Uh, we got a hold of that offering and took time to look at the marketplace, took time to look at what was happening with the neobanks and what was happening with the growth of software as a service and platforms as a service and repositioned the offering into something that was platform based, meaning that if you could take that algorithm and that solution and build it into a platform and build a subscription model around that and offer that both to the consumer side and as a white label to investment houses, you could create a far more sustainable long-term business with recurring revenue that had tremendous opportunity to scale. The, the upside of that as well is that you can then scale that business and conceivably sell it for significantly more money than you could when it was just as it is. Mm -hmm. Since that time, the business has been repositioned. They did build a platform. They have a substantial subscription audience now, and they're off and running. So, you know, that's a simple way to understand how simply looking at context in the market and how something is positioned and where the opportunities lie can make a dramatic difference in success. Mm -hmm. Right. It's almost like without the backdrop of an enormous sky, it doesn't give you the perspective of the moon. Otherwise, there's just no context within which to make sense of things. Yeah, that's a great point. And so your connection, your where you are positioned in the broader context of your market is so important, at least at the beginning. It's true. And sometimes when you're too close to it, it's hard to have that perspective. It's hard to have that objectivity. We all carry confirmation biases and category biases and mm -hmm. biases based on our previous experience. And sometimes you just need somebody with a fresh perspective and an outside view to come in and say, hey, look, this is another way to consider this opportunity. So let's say I'm a listener to this episode and I've, I own a business and I have definitely got to increase my equity value. I've got to increase my goodwill. 
you have been at the helm of a $170 million agency and you founded an investment placement and M&A firm. What key strategies would you recommend for me as I'm looking to increase my equity value and my goodwill? It's another great question, Scott. I think that whenever I have these conversations with business owners, it necessarily starts with personal goals. And because as we talked about earlier, everything needs to be aligned and consistent. First and foremost is where does the stakeholder want to take this business for themselves? Do they want to build something organically? Do they want to scale it for a transaction and sell it? Are they looking to position it for a management buyout and get some return on their sweat equity that way? So you really have to start the conversation at the root of what is are their core objectives. And when that's understood, then you can move on and say, okay, let's talk about you know, your core assets and your IP and what makes you different and where in the space that plays. And so it, it is kind of linear. So, you know, you start with where the stakeholder wants to go, then you align what the business has as a point of differentiation. You see where that fits in the market and then you run from there. So if all that stuff's aligned, then you're building consistent equity and, and you can scale over time. But again, you know, building the kind of equity that translates to performance and enterprise value, as well as what it does for internal people, employees. That's something that good business people think of from the beginning. Mm -hmm. What happens if what the owner wants to do and what the market wants to buy are not aligned? Like an owner want to do something in the long term and to get there, I'm not resonating with the market. You know, then you're making a clear choice about the outcome that you're willing to have. At the end of the day, you know, I have a creative background and have spent time creatively building and positioning brands as well as the business side. So I think you make a choice and you say, well, if this is what I want to do and I'm building a business, what's the purpose with which I'm building a business? I'm, am I looking to create personal wealth? Am I looking to create something that I could hand down to a child. It really is contingent upon that. At the end of the day, most of us are capitalists. We build a business because we like to create value and create return on our hard work. And so there are practical decisions that have to be made. If something does not align with the marketplace and there isn't a clear point of difference and you can't compete, then the stakeholder has a, you know, a moment where they need to make a, a critical decision. What path would they like to take? And there are a lot of people that have solid businesses that have good organic growth and just drive cash flow. And that's perfectly satisfactory for them. And that's fine as well. So it's mm -hmm. really personal to the, the business owner. And again, it always comes down to a strategy. It all comes down because it, it is a long-term play. Branding is not something is, you flip on like a switch. No. It's not. And, you know, having a path and having a plan is what allows you to have the consistency. Mm -hmm. And equity happens, building equity happens at every point of both employee engagement and customer engagement. Every point of engagement with that brand is part of reinforcing a unique point of difference and an emotional relationship with that company. And so, yeah, the plan is central to everything. That doesn't mean you can't pivot or tweak that plan along the way and make changes. But yeah, you, you gotta have the plan. I'm gonna ask you a question uh, about branding. It, I've heard that a good brand, well, any brand, is whatever 
people talk about when they talk about you when you're not around. What's your reaction to that? You know, that valid, you know, what you're creating is, is a perception in the minds of an audience. You're creating that perception. And naturally, the perception needs to be fulfilled. And if that means making sure you have good customer service or a good call center or all the things that reinforce that claim, then those things become important. But I've heard that, you know, summation of what a brand is, and, and there's some relevance to that idea. It's grounded in the understanding that you know, all brands have an emotional and a rational side. And at the end mm. of the day, we're human beings and we are emotional creatures and we tend to make decisions emotionally. So you're buying a car, all things being equal, you check all the rational boxes. This car does this, this car does this. At the end of the day, you make an emotional decision. Which one do I like better? Which brand do I relate to better? And so you're always understanding that people are human and you know, we are emotional creatures and that's why, you know, brands are emotional relationships with people. Would it make sense for a business owner to bring all spectrums of personality to a room to evaluate a brand? I'm highly organized and consistent and mm -hmm. I love numbers, spreadsheets and project management and all, but I can imagine if everybody in the room was like me, there would be a different outcome if there was outgoing people oriented. When we talk about building a brand, is there a better way to do that involving other people in your business? I would recommend that you don't have too many chefs in the kitchen. That can be problematic, especially because you know, you're not building a brand with the idea that you're trying to appease somebody's likeness or this is what I just believe this. You know, you're trying to align building a brand with a business opportunity and those things have to come together. And so uh, there are times when if you have too many stakeholders having an opinion about things that are intangible or abstract and they're making choices about what do I like better, that can be you know, problematic. And mm -hmm. even if you're a creative person and building brands, you know, you end up making intangible decisions and creative decisions based on pragmatic realities of how a brand is positioned. So I would recommend to any business owner that this is not something that you put out to your entire team to be part of the decision path mm -hmm. and that you engage in people who are experts in their space and let them decide yeah. if at the end of the day you position a company and it's time to do brand identity work you know don't let people take the concepts home to the wives and have them evaluate it you know let the people who have that skill set do that work and embrace it because at some point extending a brand into the intangibles is a creative and subjective process yeah how important is feedback from the market the actual users or potential users in building brand? Feedback is important. However, if you have a strong strategic foundation and you really have taken the time to understand your audience and know what they want and you profile them and you know what you're selling and it all, you should be able to craft the brand position that resonates with them. And no matter what you do, you're going to have you know, positive responses and detractors, and that's just the way the world is today. So you have to pick your space and trust it and believe in it and stick with it. If you're a larger corporation and you're struggling and you're finding that you don't have 
you know, loyalty among customers and your repeat purchases are down and you're struggling with those kinds of things, then, then researching market impressions can be helpful in understanding what's going wrong. But that's more of a diagnostic problem. At the end of the day, you know, a brand can be whatever you decide it should be. And if you consistently reinforce that, put that in the market and view that in the minds of the audience, that's what you will become. So if the business is running roughly rough and there are challenges, financial challenges and all that, if I were bringing you a poorly run company and I really wanted to improve it, going at it from a branding perspective, what would you suggest that I do? It all starts with discovery, with regardless whether you're establishing a positioning from the ground up or evaluating the current positioning. If the strategist you're working with is grounded in, in business thinking first, then you're really doing the discovery to take the time to understand what was working, what's not working now, what are you doing, what's successful, what's not successful, how are you allocating people, all these kinds of things. And usually if you do that kind of discovery, you know, things reveal themselves. And from there, you can then say, okay, here are missed opportunities. Here's what I'm perceiving the audience and, and come up with strategies and tactics to move a business in a healthier direction. Right, but you don't right. know. And regardless of what you're trying to accomplish, it all starts with getting under the hood of the business. Yeah. It's like walking into a dark room, stubbing your toe. And rather than keep stubbing your toe and taking the chance of hitting your head on something, you flip the light on. What are we? Do a discovery. I call it downloading. Get everything out so that you can look at it. Now, this is going to seem strange, a strange twist, but I understand that you love pasta and you love making <laughs> pasta dishes. Now, there's a reason for my question. All right. Okay. So my first question is, what's your favorite pasta dish? If you could make anything, what would you do? Well, I have a couple that I enjoy making and I don't have necessarily a name for it, but, but that I have, means it's I, good. <laughs> I have one dish that is super simple to make and it is a way to caramelize cherry tomatoes with crushed garlic and Calabrian peppers. And similar to the way you caramelize onions, it's a long, slow cook. And you have to be patient and it takes time, just like building a brand. And you saute that until the tomatoes become caramelized and they break down with the peppers and with the garlic. And you just boil your pasta and put a tablespoon of that pasta water into the mix and it thickens it up. And a little bit of Parmesan in the final part of the sauce to melt down and, you know, you're good to go. Very, very simple, but tons of flavor. You break up some basil and you cook it into the sauce initially and then you chop basil and you generously put the basil on top after the pasta is served a little parmesan on top of that and it's good to go very healthy you know nothing in it so it's a good way to go beside the fact that my mouth is watering now you have just created a beautiful illustration for the listener uh, as okay. it relates to business strategy and i'm thinking you know, if you were to compare your approach to business strategy with a pasta dish, there it is, right? It takes time. And I don't mean T-H-Y-M-E. Yes, time. I got you. It's a long play that is well worth it. And there are multiple ingredients. Right? Yeah, I had one more benefit or in relationship to the pasta dish and it's simplicity. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, getting to a brand position 
and putting something that can be consistently remembered in the minds of everyone requires single-mindedness and focus. This is a dish that has literally four, three ingredients and basil. And so, it, yeah, super simple, super focused, patience, and you got a great dish. And it's not dissimilar with building a brand. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love those real life examples because especially when we're talking about branding, because there's so much, there seems to be so much misunderstanding about what a brand process is. And we all know what a pasta dish is. And so that grabs things that that gives us a handle. Now you are the founder and principal consultant for brand think. Yes. All right. What do you love about what you do? What, what is it that intrinsically the, rings a bell for you? Well, you know, for me, my career in building a brand think has become a marriage of loving the business side, building business, and understanding the, the creative power that comes with complementing that with building a brand. And so at the end of the day, most of the time, what I'm doing is solving a strategic puzzle. And that's what is most intriguing to me. If you're working with a business and they need to figure out how to be positioned, you know, you are doing kind of seminal foundational work that can put them on a trajectory for long-term success. And that's particularly satisfying. So, and because it is kind of a strange world, this understanding of the intangible side with the business side, I think I'm bringing some pretty unique perspective to the table that oftentimes you know, small businesses just don't grasp. Mm-hmm. So you help them go further, faster with deeper understanding. I hope, well, you know, it's not always trying to do it faster. Yeah, you can accelerate market performance, but it's pushing, putting them in a position for sustainable success and mm-hmm. creating value for an outcome mm-hmm. and getting them to think about things maybe that they haven't thought about. That's always a really fulfilling thing, helping. People. Sure, I can imagine. So where would someone find you if they're saying, oh my, th- this is what I need? right now? Well, they certainly can go to brandthink.biz and, okay. and look me up and I'm on LinkedIn and they can connect with me through LinkedIn. And so any, any number of ways, easy to get to. And will we ever find you on the Food Network? Probably not. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I love pasta and I love that analogy. So this has been very helpful, I think, for the owner who is thinking, hey, you know what? When I go into the new year, I'm just going to sell my business in the next six months. Yeah, probably want to think longer term. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I've worked with some people where really, if you're really think, trying to figure out how do I position a business for a succession plan, you should be doing it five years in advance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good advice, good advice. Well, Lyle, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate this. We may have you back on the show again sometime. I would love that, Scott. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Great. This has been another episode of the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast. Here are your next steps. Number one, subscribe to the show so that you can get notified of upcoming episodes. Number two, share this show with a colleague. It's dedicated to mature business owners who want a great company and a fantastic fourth quarter of life. And number three, visit servingstrong.com slash pod, that's P-O-D, short for podcast, For more details on what to do with the episodes, it's a place for you to dive just a little deeper into the topics that matter most to you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, here's to your business serving the market strong, and here's to you personally finishing strong. 
This has been another episode of the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast. I take your time very seriously. Therefore, my pledge is to continue bringing you information and insight you need to be successful in your adventure as you finish strong. Be sure to check the show notes for the information related in this episode. Subscribe to be notified when new shows drop and leave a review if you're so inclined. I'll talk to you next time.